0: Welcome to the Indie Matters Podcast, where we talk about the issues that matter most to Nevada. I'm Joey Lovato, the producer and editor of Indie Matters. On this week's episode, our reporter Megan Messerly talks with Democratic National Committee Chair Tom Perez about 2020, the DNC's strategy in the state, and the possibility of a debate being held in Nevada. In pursuit of our mission to provide reader supported, nonpartisan journalism, the Nevada Independent sometimes accepts sponsorships for the podcast and events. The sponsors have no input into topics or content. This episode of Indie Matters is brought to you by the Nevada Mining Association.
1: Today we're joined by Democratic National Committee Chair Tom Perez. Tom has been the DNC Chair since February 2017, and before that, he was Labor Secretary in the Obama administration. Welcome to the podcast, Tom.
2: It's great to be with you and your listeners.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Well, I wanted to start off talking about Nevada's place in the presidential selection process, which, as we all know, is very much underway. As many of our listeners know, Nevada is home to the first in the West caucus, and it's generally seen as a testing ground for candidates in a more diverse populace. But with states like Texas and California moving up their primary contests, how much does Nevada still matter in the process of selecting the Democratic presidential nominee?
2: Well, I think Nevada is going to continue to play a critically important role in the Democratic primary contest because, as you correctly point out, Nevada reflects America. Uh, The diversity of Nevada, uh, I I find it remarkably exciting uh, how diverse Nevada is, and it's becoming more diverse. Uh, There are a number of polling locations where ballots are going to be translated into Tagalog, which reflects the burgeoning Filipino community in Nevada. And again, I think you will have all eyes on Nevada in the same way you have in previous uh, cycles because of the simple reason that Nevada truly does reflect America in so many respects. A strong union density uh, on the strip and elsewhere, uh, really important rural pockets of the state, uh, remarkable diversity. And it will be a great opportunity for candidates to demonstrate that uh, they can win across the entire remarkable quilt of the Democratic Party that's embodied in Nevada. And I applaud the party's efforts to make sure that the process is as inclusive as possible. Uh, There's early voting. There's what will be called a telecaucus. So if if you're working that day or you're deployed overseas— it's going to be a lot easier to vote, and I predict there's going to be a lot more people participating.
1: Right. You bring up an interesting point about, you know, some of the changes that have been made to the the caucus to convention process here in Nevada, and I've talked at some length with party officials here about the changes that they've made. Like you mentioned, you know, early voting and, and virtual caucusing, you know, expanding the, the tent for the party. How do you think those changes are are going to help from from what we've seen in in years past?
2: Well, our goal in every state is to maximize participation. We want to make it easier for people to vote. We want to make sure that everyone who can participate, in fact, does participate. And so when we enacted a, a wholesale set of rules, uh, shortly after my tenure, we did so with an eye toward increasing participation, and, and Nevada has done just that. They had a very, very expansive and inclusive process to listen to people. How can we improve our caucus process? And again, uh, having uh, four early vote dates, having these virtual caucuses. So again, if you're if you're deployed and you'd prefer to participate over the telephone, or you're otherwise unavailable and you want to participate on the telephone. You can do that. And I really, I, I, I believe that those are going to make a huge difference in making the process a, a lot more inclusive, a lot smoother, and a lot more successful.
1: I know there have been, you know, other changes on a national level, like changing the role of superdelegates in the selection process. And I know that's, you know, aimed at addressing some of these concerns that maybe the process isn't grassroots enough. I mean, is that enough to allay some of these concerns that we saw coming out of the 2016 cycle about, you know, this really being the the, the people's process to, to choose a nominee?
2: Well, I think so, and I hope so, and time will tell, and, and our goal coming into my tenure was we understood that we had to uh, build our infrastructure, our organizing infrastructure, our technology infrastructure, our voter protection infrastructure, and we had to build trust and rebuild trust because... We needed to make sure that everybody felt excited about participating in the Democratic primary and caucus process. And they were excited about our candidates and excited, frankly, about our brand. And so that's why we undertook from the outset these reform measures that, again, ensure that it's easier to participate in caucuses and primaries. And then our superdelegate reform that you correctly uh, alluded to, the purpose of that was, again, to return power to the grassroots. Uh, we want to make sure that the voters are deciding the next nominee. And, and that's what our superdelegate reforms are designed to do, is, is to make sure that power returns to the grassroots. And, and you look at 2018, uh, the record participation uh, in the midterm cycle uh, was a real testament, I think, to progress that we've been making in investing in a 50-state infrastructure. You look at voter turnout in Nevada In 2018, it increased 17% uh, compared to 2014. And you look at uh, the number of first-time voters, uh, remarkable. You look at the organizing that was done in uh, communities across the state, whether it was uh, in Clark County or whether it was up in Carson City. It was uh, of of every zip code strategy. And and when we engage like that and when, when we... Make it clear that uh, the future of our party and our nation is in your hands. We want you to participate. I think that's when we're at our best.
1: You bring up a, a good point talking about the 2018 midterm election and especially how Democrats performed here in Nevada with, obviously, the gubernatorial race and the U.S. Senate seat being being the prime examples of that. Um, I know Nevada is now on several lists as a lean blue state. And I know party officials here, I've talked to them about it. And, you know, they've said it's, it's only because of the amount of work they've put in over the last few cycles, like you mentioned, um, from the parties to, you know, third party organizing and the role that the unions play uh, in getting Democrats out to the polls. Are you at all concerned that nevada could be taken for granted in the general election because it is seen now as maybe a little bit of a lean blue state
2: we will never take nevada for granted i, I have great respect for what uh leader reid and then so many people after him have done to build a 12 month a year party infrastructure uh, chairman mccurdy is doing a spectacular job you have one of the best executive directors in the country in the Nevada party, uh, Alana Mounts, and what they know and what we will continue to do is organize every single year. The the voter registration campaigns that have been launched in Nevada, not just in the three month sprint to an election, but when you are 23 months from an election, they've understood that you have to invest every year and you must Ensure and this is the motto of not only the Nevada Party but the the DNC. We must work to elect Democrats up and down the ticket. You you look at where we were in 2015, where the Republican Party controlled so many of the statewide elected officials and uh, the House and the Senate, and and as a result of that, uh, there was a campaign called Never Again uh, because uh, participation was way too low in 2014. And Democrats came together. Again, I I am so grateful for um, Leader Reid's leadership in this. And so many other people have picked up uh, the mantle. I was proud to travel to Nevada this past cycle, to campaign with Jackie Rosen, Steve Sisolak, Aaron Ford, Kate Marshall, uh, Nelson Araujo, uh, and our investments in Nevada from this past cycle, I'm very proud of. And we are not letting our foot... Off the gas pedal because we know that we must continue to build those relationships with voters. And we're confident that when we lead with our values, it's Democrats who are fighting to make sure that you can retain your health care if you have a pre existing condition. It's Democrats who are fighting to make sure that if you work a full time job, you can feed your family. And it's Democrats who are fighting to uh, protect immigrants, not demonize immigrants. And th- the voters understood that in Nevada. We're going to continue to build those very authentic uh, relationships with those voters. And that's how we'll we'll be able to continue electing uh, Susie Lee and uh, Steve Horsford and others to the Congress and uh, to continue to win these statewide races and and also uh, the state, Senate, and state House races. And women, in Nevada have really set the tone. The number of women in uh, public office in Nevada is truly impressive, indeed a model for America. And and so frankly and, and succinctly, if, if every party was doing what uh, the Nevada State Democratic Party were doing, uh, they really have set a great example. And that's why I'm so proud to work with them.
1: You talked a little bit about sort of, you know, Democratic messaging, thinking about what the message was in 2018, focusing on health care and where the focus of the party is going to be headed into the 2020 election. You know, I'm curious, Trump campaign officials said recently that they plan to make a play for Nevada how do you think, they, you know, they, they've talked about some of the the messaging that they plan to talk about, talking about the economy, you know, issues that they believe the president has done well on. Do you think with that kind of messaging, they have a shot at winning Nevada?
2: I don't, uh, because the, the, the economy is working great for people like Donald Trump. For everybody else, uh, they're wondering what's going to happen if they... Uh, have to go to the doctor, and they have diabetes because the Republicans want to take away your health care. They're wondering, uh, where did that tax cut go? And they've now figured out it went to wealthy people and large corporations, and their future and their children's future has been mortgaged. Uh, They're wondering, uh, is this president going to continue to demonize uh, immigrants? They're wondering, on the strip in Las Vegas, Uh, This president has appointed two justices to the Supreme Court that want to do away with the union movement and the right to organize. And so this president promised change. And, boy, people have gotten change, but it's not the change that has improved their lives. And we're going to be out there in Nevada and across the country making the case that it's the Democratic Party that has your back on the issues that matter most to you, and it's this president who's had a knife in your back.
1: Democrats have done... You know pretty well in in Nevada, especially with with pretty moderate candidates in recent years. I know a lot of them have said you know they're driven by progressive values, but when you look at the the policies they're pushing for and in, in the House or in the Senate, you know they're not on the far left of the party. Do you think it makes it harder for Democrats to win Nevada if the party chooses someone a little bit more progressive?
2: Well, again, I think what the whoever wins the nomination on the Democratic side, is going to make very clear that if you have a pre-existing condition, we're going to fight to keep your health care for you. Uh, If you have to take insulin, we're going to make sure that we're lowering the cost of insulin. And the other side isn't doing a darn thing. Uh, We believe, as Democrats, that climate change is real, and they don't believe the science. And how many more 100-year storms do you have to have every other year before you start believing the science. Every Democrat running for president understands that we need comprehensive immigration reform. And you look at what uh, the other side is doing, all they're doing is dividing. That's not who we are as a nation. And I, I think those values are the values that are gonna help us win, because uh, America is less safe under this president. He has a uh, affinity for autocrats, and he pushes away democratically elected leaders. I I don't understand why Canada has become our enemy and uh, Germany has become our enemy, and he welcomes authoritarian leaders from Hungary and the Philippines and elsewhere. Uh, He seems to be Putin's poodle. Um, And that makes us less safe as a nation. And I think people are going to look, come election day, at whoever the Democratic Party candidate is, uh, elections are choices. Uh, And elections are about the future. And this president now has a four-year track record. And people are going to look and ask the question, has he had my back over the last four years, or has he had a knife in my back? And on every single issue of note, the tax cut was a massively reckless break for people who didn't need it at the top of the pecking order. The attacks on the union movement, that is not good for Nevada. It's not good for America. The attacks on immigrants, Nevada is a state of immigrants, just as we are a nation of immigrants. And those attacks are hurting our state. Uh, So many people are suffering as a result of this president. And that's how I think we can win this election. And that's why I believe every single person running for president is going to be fighting for those issues I've just mentioned.
1: I think something you were getting at there. You know, obviously, some some voters are going to turn out um, in opposition to to President Trump. Um, but you know, talking about climate change, talking about healthcare. Um, you know, D- Democrats obviously know that they need to give voters something to vote for, not just to vote against. Um, but when you're thinking about these middle-of-the-road voters, um, you know, folks who who might be, you know, maybe they were reluctant votes for, for President Trump in, in 2016, and now they're not so sure. Are you concerned that someone with uh, more progressive policies might alienate some of those voters and might make it more difficult for, for them to appeal to them?
2: Well, again, I every Democrat is going to be fighting to make sure that if you have a pre-existing condition... Uh, you can keep your health care. And the Republicans have made clear they don't want to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. Uh, They want to repeal it, period, Uh, end of story. Elections are choices. Uh, They're choices between uh, someone who's going to help you keep your health care, help you lower the cost of your prescription drugs, help raise the minimum wage so that people who work a full-time job can feed their family, Uh, help address climate change by working with our global community, going back into the Paris Climate Accords, that's not uh, a radical concept. That is a fundamental common sense concept that we should work together with our global community to address global challenges. And that's why I feel confident that the voters of Nevada who have understood that on the day-to-day issues that matter most to them, it's Democrats who have their back. That's why I'm confident that we can uh, continue to win Nevada in 2020, but we take nothing for granted. And that's why we continue to invest in a 12-month-a-year infrastructure, because uh, we, we need to continue what we're doing, building relationships with voters. We don't just show up at voters' uh, doors the, the month before an election. We're, we are interacting with voters 12 months a year in in Nevada, and that's how we are winning, because we're listening and we're fighting for the issues that uh, folks care about and folks want uh, their elected officials to fight for.
1: thinking about 2020, you know, we don't have a gubernatorial race here. We don't have a Senate race here. Obviously, you mentioned we do have, you know, a couple of House seats that I know Democrats will be keeping their eyes on uh, to keep in Democratic hands. What kind of an investment can we expect to see in Nevada from national Democrats headed into the 2020 cycle?
2: Well, I was uh, proud of the investments we made in uh, Nevada in in the 2018 cycle. Uh, They were... I think uh, very important uh, as part of a a broad team effort to win virtually all the statewide races and to uh, help get uh, Susie Lee, Steve Horsford elected to the Congress and and to put so many people in the State House and uh, the State Senate. And we're gonna continue those investments. We increased our investments in all of the state parties by a third starting shortly after I got here to the DNC and we have made massive investments above and beyond that in technology and and virtually every candidate for office from the school board to the presidency uses our voter file and we've made uh, dramatic investments in improving the quantity and quality of data we have and uh, the more, the more you know about a voter uh, the better you can interact with that voter and so those sorts of investments that we made uh, in All of the states are are helping in enormous ways. Uh, We we purchased over 100 million cell phone numbers uh, over the course of the last two years and gave them to state parties. So there were over um, a million uh, cell phone numbers, actually about a half a million in uh, Nevada that we gave to the state party. And and the most frequent way, or one of the most frequent ways now that we interact with voters is uh, through their smartphone. And you got to meet voters where they consume their news and their information. And we built a lot of relationships using smartphones uh, with voters uh, across the state. And so we're going to continue those investments because I believe that uh, Nevada continues to be an important bellwether of America. And I continue to believe strongly that the Nevada caucuses are going to be uh, an important bellwether and... Uh, guidepost for the candidates and for America, because uh, whoever wins Nevada will be able to demonstrate that they can uh, interact and connect with uh, the broad cross-section of the Democratic Party.
1: For Nevada to be a a bellwether, as you said, the caucus process has to go smoothly. And as we all know, the the caucus to convention process here in 2016 was difficult to say the least. Um, The the state convention here ended in allegations of bias in the party and, and death threats against the state party chair at the time. Are you worried about lingering resentment from the 2016 process derailing the caucus?
2: Well, I'm certainly well aware of the the serious challenges from the 2016 process, and that's why we got right to work in the beginning of 2017, shortly after my election, to uh, listen, learn, uh, build a very large inclusive uh, table, and I applaud everybody in Nevada who participated. I think there's a mutual understanding that we had to improve from 2016, there's a mutual understanding that we want to make it easier for people to participate. And that's why you see uh, with the, the telephone uh, caucus and the early voting and, and just the general improvements that are being made, the reforms that are being made. So those who are going to caucus on, on the caucus day, I think the experience is going to be qualitatively different and better because uh, right now we know our democracy is on fire. It's a five-alarm blaze. This is the most important election of our lifetime, and we have to make sure that we are all have we all have our oars in the water. We're rowing in synchrony, and we have absolutely no distractions in this process. And that's why I'm really, really appreciative of the work of uh, Chairman McCurdy and so many others. Um, a woman named Artie Blanco, who's uh, done a lot of work in the caucus reform context. Uh, Some great people working at a grassroots level have produced uh, a really good blueprint to ensure that uh, Nevada continues to be an important bellwether, and Nevada 2020 will be a model for how to conduct uh, inclusive and constructive uh, caucuses so that we can talk to America about uh, what we think and who we're supporting.
1: Do you feel like the steps that you and the party here have taken have done enough to smooth things over and heal the wounds of 2016?
2: Well, I think we we all understand that we had healing to do, and the way you heal is to build an inclusive table, uh, to listen and learn uh, from your experiences, from uh, mistakes, and to build a blueprint for success that enables everybody to participate and everyone to feel like their candidate got a fair shake and everyone to feel like their own voice was heard and i think that's what's going to happen in 2020 nobody wants a repeat of 2016 and everybody understands that this is the most important election of our lifetime because uh, our democracy is truly on the ballot and i really have 100% confidence that nevada is going to set a remarkable example moving forward and and the I remember the 2016 caucus well, and I am confident that the 2020 caucus is going to be used uh, in the future as a model uh, across America of how to expand participation and how to ensure inclusion.
1: Last question. Uh, There's already a lot of focus on the first Democratic presidential debates next month, uh, but that's just going to be the first of many. Will one of the DNC-sanctioned debates take place here in Nevada?
2: Absolutely. We look forward to that debate. We haven't set the time of that debate yet, but uh, we look forward to having one in Nevada. And I'm confident it will be a debate that will be Uh, well-watched and uh, spirited. uh, And our goal in all of the debates, Nevada and elsewhere, is to ensure that every single candidate uh, gets a fair opportunity to communicate her or his vision to the American people. Uh, We've taken unprecedented steps to ensure a fair process. So for instance, in Miami, where the debate will take place in the end of June, we will... We, we will have two nights in a row. Uh, that's never been done before. Uh, we will, we've made room for up to 20 candidates to participate. Uh, that's never been done. We've made uh, room for people to make the debate stage not simply through polling, but in addition, through meeting a grassroots fundraising threshold. That's never been done before. And I think all of those things are going to enable uh, candidates uh, to get to the stage and to, again, have a real uh, robust debate. I expect there'll be some policy disagreements. But one thing I'm certain of, uh, none of our candidates are going to be talking about hand size. They're going to be talking about health care. They're going to be talking about how we reduce the cost of prescription drugs. They're going to be talking about how we make sure that Uh, people who work a full-time job can feed their family, and how we build an America that works for everyone, not just people uh, like Donald Trump. And that's what they're going to talk about. And and that's why I'm excited about uh, these debates.
1: So there will be a debate in Nevada, but you don't know when that will be yet.
2: Correct. It will certainly, it will be sometime, uh, I expect it'll be sometime after uh, the new year, because we want to have it uh, closer in time to the caucus. So uh, sometime in January or February is um, is when it will likely be.
1: Well, we'll be keeping our eyes peeled for news of that. I think we'll leave it there, but thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, Tom. We really appreciate it.
2: Oh, it's a great pleasure to be with you and your listeners. And again, thank you to all the folks in uh, Nevada for your participation. Uh, Nevada continues to set a, a great example And uh, here at the DNC, we are also gonna be saying continued prayers for the family of Assemblyman Tyrone Thompson. Uh, It's uh, shocking when we lose a colleague who's so young and so vibrant, uh, a great public servant, and someone who will truly be missed. So uh, we'll continue our thoughts and prayers for the Assemblyman and his family.
1: Yes. Well, thanks again for, for that. I know the, the lawmakers uh, here in Carson City will, will appreciate hearing that. It's been, I think, difficult, a difficult time for, for everyone. So thank you so much again for joining us, though. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Matters. I'd like to thank Tom Perez for being on this week. If you'd like to hear more of Indie Matters, you can find more episodes on our website, thenavadaindependent.com, or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen. We also air on KWNK 97.7 Reno on Sundays at 5 p.m. If you have any ideas, criticism, or praise for the podcast, feel free to send that my way at joey at thenvindie.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Matters. I'm Joey Lovato, and we'll talk to you next week.